Hey, dating coach Rick Soda Beer is on the show today. Maybe I should hire him. Henry, you're a voiceover bot. We're not supposed to go out on dates. I wish I had known that, after buying my Luke Skywalker pajamas. A little something for the ladies, you know? Oh, Henry, the force is not strong with you. Attention, rebels of the sure pollution. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, please don't disturb the yak. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Oh, thank you, Mr. Bruce. And hey there, all you rebels of the Sherpolution, past, present, and future. If you're just starting to listen today, it's me, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Of course it is. All the past and present ones know that already. Shh, little hint, little hint. Welcome to the show. And this week, I know you're waiting for it. It's a theme week. It's theme week. It's theme week. It's theme week. And this week's theme is relationships. We've done a couple of relationship shows already, but always from different perspectives. There was one from a single lady, one from a married lady, and now we have one from a guy who's divorced. And always different, interesting perspectives, and we like to present all those perspectives to you. I'm sure you're wondering about our guest. Who's our guest today, Sherpa? Well, I'm glad that you asked, Mr. Bruce. Our guest today, his name is Rick Sodebeer, and he's got a website, and he is a dating coach. And we had a lot of fun talking about relationships, and he was very honest about his own relationships as well. But I got to say, among all the seriousness, we actually had a moment of levity, and you'll actually hear it about 28 minutes into the interview. What happened is the bulb on my lamp went out while we were talking, (laughs) so it almost looked like I was turning the light out on him and I was done talking with him, and we both just started laughing a lot. I was glad that he was such a good sport about it and a really cool guy about it too. It was just a lot of fun. He he even said, he said, yeah, keep it in there. It was funny. So just in case you're wondering what happens at that point where there's just complete giddiness, that's what it's all about. But you will learn a lot hearing what he has to say. A lot of interesting opinions as well. Why don't we head on down and we will play my interview with Rick. Okay, this is for all the single rebels out there, men and women or, or anybody in between there. My guest today is a dating coach, and he is also the co-author of Dating Backwards. And we're going to talk to him about the world of dating and his book and and other things that are going on in his life. Say hello to Mr. Rick Sodebeer. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing very well, thank you. And thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a treat. Thank you. I was reading a little bit about your bio on your website. I'll let you fill in the blanks or kind of take it from here. Now, originally, your your parents had divorced. Yep. I grew up in a in, in a divorced household. They got the, oh, it was probably about 12 years old, 11 years old when they divorced. And 
And, um, you know, like most families, when you, when you go through that as a kid, you know, it's kind of traumatic. My dad was a hard man to, to begin with. And my mom was, she suffered from depression and, and, and a lot of different things. So, you know, it was a typical dysfunctional household. I, when I got married, I was bound and determined not to make you know, some of the mistakes that they had made. I was bound and determined to make my marriage last. Well, that relationship lasted about 25 years and, and that was it. You know, there were, there were a lot of issues. I won't go into all the personal details. Um, I made mistakes. My ex made mistakes. And, and I think, you know, when you go through something like that, um, you have to recognize your contribution to the problems. And, and as I look back, I could see the 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 mistakes I had made, the the red flags I had ignored in in the very beginning of that relationship. And, and don't misunderstand me, we had some really good times as as a couple. I've got a wonderful daughter from that relationship that I you know I never would have had otherwise. So you know I I don't want to degrade that relationship in any way. It's just there were there were issues that we just couldn't overcome. And so the logical step for me was to move on and to get a divorce. And I think it was better for both of us. So, you know, then, then it evolved. And, and there's so many backstories to this that, um, you know, coming from a broken home, you know, there's, I, I grew up my, you know, until I was 52 years old, my dad called me stupid and an idiot. And I never realized how emotionally punishing that was. You know, it, it's, we grow up as kids and, or at least I grew up as, as a kid and, and our saying was, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, you know, now that I'm, you know, 63 years old, I start to recognize that, yeah, words really can hurt. And a lot of studies have shown the same thing that, you know, and, and it was verbal abuse. And it wasn't until I was 52 years old and I stood up to him that I finally felt liberated. And it, you know, it's a whole, whole story about how I was able to break that, that hold or that, that, that grip that my father had on me. In this time, I'm a financial advisor and, and just the, the last couple of years, I'm in my financial planning practice. Um, you know, going through my divorce, not being happy as a financial advisor. I loved what I did. I loved my clients, but there, I just lost the passion for the industry or for the, for the business. So I, you know, I'm kind of wandering through life and a friend of mine, it, it turned out being my co-author on the book, she challenged me one day and she says, what's your passion? And, you know, we talked a little bit, but it took me about a week or 10 days to really formulate what my passion was. And I had come to recognize that I've been a student of self and relationship improvement for, well, at that time, well over 30 years. It's over 35 years now. And I've, I've come to realize that I was such a student of self and relationship improvement. People were coming to people that didn't even know me would walk up to me and start talking about their relationships. And I'd start saying, oh, well, you need to do this and this and this. And that'll, you know, that'll help move you forward. And it just dawned on me that because I had gone through a divorce, because Penny, my co-author, had, had gone through a divorce a couple of years earlier also, I started recognizing all the mistakes that, that people make in general. And I thought, well, why not write a book and help people make better decisions about who they date and the relationships they get into? And that was, you know, when we got back on the phone about a week, a week or 10 days later, 
we were talking and I started laying out the premise for a book. She started throwing ideas at me and, and, and I stopped and I said, why don't you help me write the book? She stopped and said, okay. And two or three days later, we had an outline, a working outline, and we were off to the races. And a couple of months into the writing of the book, I got to retire. I can't be a financial planner. This is what I want to do when I grow up. And it's, and it's been um, quite a journey since then, you know, publishing the book and speaking and coaching. And that's, the, that's my story in a, in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah. Well, since you're talking about the book, explain what dating backward means for those who are listening. Well, that's, that's, that's a great question because it really has two meanings. Um, first of all, most people date backwards. And what I mean by that is they'll go out, you know, they'll get a divorce or they'll be widowed or even single, but they'll start dating somebody without knowing, without being crystal clear about what they want in a relationship. I mean, they might have some vague ideas about, about what they're looking for, but they're not clear. They're going to say, ah, look, this, this guy's kind of cute. He, he makes me laugh. They don't recognize potential flaws or he doesn't have everything or she doesn't have everything that they're looking for. So, so that's, that's where we, we start dating backward because we're not crystal clear about what we want in a relationship. When I talk to people, um, more people can tell me what they don't want than what they do want. And if you study psychology or you study human nature, the, the, the fact is that when you focus on negative, that's exactly what you're going to find. And when, when, when people know more about what they don't want, that's what they keep finding. The second meaning of that is that I take everybody back to the beginning. The idea is to go back to the very basics. Like I said, become crystal clear about what you want. Know what your deal breakers are. Um, know what you bring to the table. And those are those are the very foundation of moving forward, and then you start developing a relationship from there. the The interesting thing is, and I've done a lot of study on this, that that we all get caught up in infatuation and raging hormones when we get into a new relationship, and that infatuation can start very quickly. I know, I I go off the deep end very quickly, you know. So, uh, so I have to heed my own advice. I have to be careful about about what I do and the the the, the ladies that I date. The idea is that that we want to um, be able to pull you back from that infatuation and those raging hormones, so that you can take an honest look and start looking at at, at the person you're dating and start noticing if there's any red flags. And I can contend that if you're paying attention, you'll start noticing the red flags within the first 30 days of dating somebody. You know, and I know there will be plenty of people out there saying, oh, good Lord, I can see those red flags on the first date. And there are a lot of one and dones. But there are going to be great people that you're going to date. And, you know, it's the second, third, fourth, fifth date down the road that you'll start noticing things. Because realistically, most people try to present them their best self up front. And then it, it, it isn't until you start to get a little comfortable with somebody that that facade starts to drop and you start to see some of the true characteristics. And usually if, if you're good, if you're paying attention, you can start to see those things. You can, you can hear it in the, in the words they use, in the, in the comments they make, in their actions, you know, whether they're on time or 
you can start to sense whether somebody's telling you the truth or whether there might be eh, something hidden in the in the background there. So that's where the name of the book came from. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's uh, when it comes to meeting somebody. And like you said, you, sometimes you have to give people that chance. You got to kind of look past the first date because you don't know. Maybe the person had a bad day the first day. They may just be nervous daters, you know, when they get very nervous. And then once they get comfortable around you, you see their true colors. Absolutely. And that, that's a great point. You know, so many times people uh, make, a, make a blanket judgment after a first date. Now, obviously, there are first dates that just go south right from the very beginning. And, and you know, you know, it's not going to go any further. Um, but there are there are times when it's it's worth a second or third date just to get to know the person a little bit because you're right there are nervous daters they're as much with guys as it is with women you know, they're nervous they're they're on the shy type or the introverted side and have a problem with a conversation and you know any number of things that that make that first date a problem and I can relate to like the title that of your book I always like I got married late in life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked at dating as being in a funnel where you're at the top of the funnel first, where you're dating just about anybody. And then yes. as, as time goes by, you know, you're, you're eliminating it's like, okay, this person does this. That's not going to work for me. Or, yeah. you know, and, and it goes both ways too. I'm, I'm sure I was in other people's funnels getting kicked out as well. <laughs> <laughs> and some rightfully so, some maybe not. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, the, the inter- and what I always try to tell people, you know, when you, when you start looking at the person, uh, whether they're, they're a good match for you, uh, it, it, if they don't have everything on your must-have list or your deal-breaker list, it doesn't make them a bad person. You know, it just means they're not the right one for you. What I try to teach people is that, you know, when you start recognizing that someone's not right for you, don't stick around. We're only on this earth for a short period of time. Don't waste it in a relationship that, you know, is going to go a year, two years, five years. And the whole time, you know, yeah, this isn't really where I want to be, you know, because the longer you're there, the, the, the more enmeshed you get, the more the emotions get intertwined and then it becomes an even bigger problem down the road and trying to, trying to separate, break up and, and move on. You know, it takes just that much longer to heal from uh, ending a, a, a longer-term relationship. And there's a difference between a deal-breaker quality versus I want to be with a person who's a carbon copy of me because really it's opposites that attract. Opposites do attract, but from some of the studies that I've read, they also, those relationships also end, they, they last an average of five years. And don't misunderstand me, there are opposites that, they make it, but the majority of them don't. And so um, I'm not a big believer in the opposite opposites attract theory. And it, it's fun for a while, but the things that, that initially were cute and sweet and made you giggle eventually wear on you. They become the deal breakers. They, they are the things that make you crazy. You know, you can giggle about about which way the, the toilet paper should go on the roll or, or, or hang on the, on the holder or, you know, where you squeeze the tube of toothpaste. And, and you know, in, in the near term, yeah, it doesn't make any difference. Long term, those are the little things that will make you crazy. And, and I use those two as very simple examples. It's, you know, if the tooth, tube of toothpaste isn't, you know, if, if you squeeze from the bottom and she squeezes from the middle, well, just get her her own damn tube of toothpaste, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there, there are ways of working those things out. But I believe that, that when you're looking for an extraordinary mate or looking for an extraordinary relationship, and I sometimes interchange extraordinary relationship with soulmate relationship. I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, there's no such thing as a soulmate. You know, it's, it, that's, just, that's just silly. Uh, or like I used to believe that, yeah, it's just a goony woman thing. You know, they, the women are looking for their soul. But when you've had one, when you've had that experience, there are soulmates. Guys, let me tell you, there are soulmates out there. And, um, but we'll, we can use extraordinary relationship, but when you're looking for that extraordinary relationship, you want to take all the roadblocks out of your way, as many of the roadblocks. And I truly believe, you know, you've got to develop an intellectual, a spiritual an emotional and a physical connection. And we all get the physical, you know, the sexual side of a physical connection, but we've got to, you know, we've got to be attracted to our mate. You know, there's that, that physical appearance. So all those things need to be in place. I, I believe that you need to speak similar love languages. And if you're not familiar with love languages, go check out the book, The Five Love Languages. It's, it's a wonderful book and, on how to communicate. And that was one of, my, one of the problems in my marriage. My ex and I spoke different love languages, and that was hard to overcome. I mean, they, theoretically, you can learn how to speak other languages, but you never do it as fluently as you do your natural languages. Then there's chemistry. You've got to throw that in there, too. So, uh, you know, all these, all these moving parts, all these components are all important. And, you know, you've got to have similar morals and values. And again, these are all critical things that, that can throw roadblocks into, into a relationship. And the more roadblocks or the more hurdles that you, that you have to overcome, the harder it is to maintain that relationship. My premise or my thought is that more problems you can eliminate up front. The easier the relationship, the easier your marriage is going to be down the road. You know, life is going to throw things at you. You're, things are going to happen. You know, somebody's, somebody's going to lose a job. Somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to die. There's, there's going to be problems in the, in the marriage. And the more you have in common up front, the stronger that, that bond becomes. And it gives you the strength to work through those things. And it doesn't make it mean it's going to be easy down the road it doesn't mean you can you can just waltz through life happy you know i it, i'm not trying to promote unicorns and rainbows and butterflies you know that's just not real life you know you're even the best relationships go through problems but the 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 more work you do up front the more time you spend searching for that right person the easier the load is or e the easier the work is down the road. I found it interesting that you were a financial planner before doing this because I, when I originally read your biography, I was saying, what a smooth transition because really you're teaching people how to invest their money and invest their time and putting effort into their future where you're really doing the same thing as a dating coach. Absolutely. And it, and it, and that was an amazingly simple transition. I went from, and, and part of being a financial advisor was taking the emotion or trying to take the emotion out of some very emotional financial decisions for people. Uh, when you talk to people about their money, you, you want to see uh, a lady break down when you tell her that, that, that she and her husband can't retire in five years because the market is down or they get very emotional or you know, they start telling you their story that they don't want to end up like their parents. 
working with clients uh, on a financial level, it was taking some of the emotion out of those decisions. And that's what I try to do. I've, I've transitioned that into my, uh, my, my, my coaching and that we want to take as much of the emotion out of some of those decisions as possible. Uh, now, it, it, you're, you're never going to get rid of all of the infatuation and raging hormones. Those are, those are all natural, natural occurring events, especially in the beginning. And then when, they, when the, the hormones settle down and the infatuation settles down, that's when the lights start coming on. And, and if you're not with the right person, that's when you start to recognize, oh, crap, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> so we want to we want to make sure that uh, again you're making better choices up front and and the whole idea is to back away from some of those emotions and look at everything about your mate and your partner and say is this the man or is this the woman that I want to be with is it can I see myself spending the rest of my life with this woman or this man You were married for you said 25 years Yeah we well we had a relationship for 25 years. We were we lived together for eight and married for 17. So, and that, but after that, what was it like getting back into the dating world? You really had a new pair of eyes to look at that. Like everybody that gets divorced and gets back into the dating world, I had these rose-colored glasses on, and I'm thinking to myself, "Good Lord, I'll, I'll start dating. I'll find my soulmate in nine months, and I'll live happily ever after." Well, that hasn't happened. I've been divorced for 10 years now. And, I, and don't misunderstand, I've had a couple of really nice relationships in there, but I still haven't found the one. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not making excuses, but I, over the last couple of years, I've had a situation come up where I, I travel significantly. So I'm in Kansas City about half the year or seven months out of the year, and then I spend my summers up in northern Michigan and northern Wisconsin. So... Um, that makes life a little, it makes dating a little more difficult, but it's not insurmountable. It just throws another little hurdle in there. But yeah, it's the, it, it just getting back into the dating world was, was really interesting. And I had, right after I was divorced, uh, a, a woman that I was interested in dating, um, she and I had talked and we were talking while I was separated. And she said, well, I won't date you until you're divorced. And so a few days after I was, after my divorce was final, I called her and said, you know, let's, let's talk about getting together. And my divorce is final. He said, you know, she said, no, I'm not going to date you for at least a year. Just you're, you're so fresh. You're going to be a different person in a year. And I thought, you know, we talked a little bit more and then ended the conversation. Got off the phone. I said, man, she's dodging me. I was absolutely dodging me. She was right. It took about a year for me to to really start regaining who I was, because you know, when when we're in a in a, in a in a long term relationship in a marriage, and it doesn't doesn't necessarily need you can be in a long term relationship if you invest quite a number of years in that relationship, you morph, you you change to adapt to that relationship. You know, one of the things that I lost in my marriage was my sense of humor because my ex didn't like my sense of humor. So I had to be very careful about what I said and what I joked about. And you know, I'm still finding my sense of humor 10 years later. So it, it takes time to, to rediscover who you are. It took me time to dis rediscover who I am. It, it was about 13 months after, after my divorce, I was talking with my best friend. And he said, you know, you haven't sounded this good in a long, long 
time. You know, and then it dawned on me, yeah, you know, I'm laughing again. I'm having some fun, and and you know, I I have changed. I'm not I'm not that as reserved and confined as I was in my marriage. So we were saying earlier that people's reactions when you go on a date with them that you tell them that you're a dating coach. Oh yeah, that's always that's always a good sign to if, if I've come to learn that. Number one, women become very skeptical of of my being on a on a on a dating site, and I'm on and off from time to time. And because of my travels, sometimes it's easier to meet somebody on the road as opposed to meeting somebody locally. But you know, when you when they ask what you do, in fact, I just had this this conversation twice in the last two days that I, I told the gal, she asked what I did, and, and I knew where the conversation was going to go. I said, I'm a dating coach. She said, no, really, what do you do? So I, I gave her my name. I wrote down my name, Rick Sodebeer. Google me. And she came back, oh, my God, I have egg on my face. <laughs> <laughs> but there was one I met uh, a, a couple of months ago, and we were, we were on the phone, and, and she asked me what I did, and I said, I'm a dating and relationship coach, and she just burst into laughter. And I'm thinking, really? You want to you start going into hysterical laughter when I tell you what I do? You know, obviously, and, and I've just gotten to the point that, you know, if they're going to laugh, okay, we're done. And, you know, and, and it's nothing against them. It's just, yeah, if you're not going to believe me or, you know, you're not going to take what I do seriously, okay, then, you know, I can't take this, this potential relationship seriously. I've done this enough that I'm very, very leery. I'm very skeptical of letting that information out. And I've tried telling that I own real estate, which I do. You know, I'm not lying, but, you know, it's softening the blow or telling them I'm a life coach and yada, yada, yada. And, and I just, I'm not being truthful. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a dating coach. Love me, love me or hate me, you know, <laughs> but, or somewhere in between. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, that's always a little touchy when, to see how they react. And that, that does make a big, make a big impact on me on whether I try to, whether I proceed with the relationship or proceed getting to know them. There's no relationship there. You're just getting to know somebody. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it's a challenge. And it does tie into some of the important things that you should be doing with someone. You're, you're being honest with them. They're either going to accept it or they're not going to accept it. And then at least your funnel gets a little bit smaller after that. Yeah, you're weeding, yeah, you're weeding them out real quickly. <laughs> and, but that's, that's, that's what, and that's, that's one of the nice things about online. Uh, what I find nice about online dating is, is you can weed out a lot of people without ever having to go out, without ever having to meet. You can have a few text conversations, a few phone conversations, and you can quickly, quickly determine, you know, just, just by the questions they ask or, or the answers they give, you know, whether this is someone you really want to, to pursue any further. You know, you don't need to walk into a date with a, with a, with a list of interrogation questions. There's nothing worse than than a date where you're being interrogated. And I have been interrogated. <laughs> Ladies, when you go out on a date with a guy, don't bring a list of questions. 
just pay attention. You know, if you if you've met him online, do a quick brief or a quick review of uh, his profile. Look at your text, review your text messages, and see what he's told you about himself. And then remember those things and walk into your date with those things. You can ask him the same questions over again. Odds are he's forgotten most of what he's told you anyway. And if he's if he's honest, he's going to be telling you the same thing. But if he's dishonest, you can pick up on that very quickly. And if there's any dishonesty at, 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 at all, you know, I you either call him out on it or call it off and say, no, we're done because your story's not lining up. And then they, you know, then you're going to have, oh, but yeah, but no, uh, well, I just say, eh, next. I guess people have to understand the difference between somebody who's overly particular versus someone who really knows what they want, because there is a fine line. Like, I'll, I'll explain. Well, okay. so uh, we were, we're on the same page. Somebody who wants somebody who looks like uh, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> versus, you know, someone who's just looking for somebody who's like, this is somebody that I could spend time with and have a lot of laughs. You know, sure. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't, I generally don't have a problem. You know, if you want somebody to be Chris Hemsworth double, yeah, that's going to be difficult. But if you have particular uh, physical characteristics that you're looking for, it might be a certain height. It might be a certain color hair. Although with women, they can change the color of their hair at the drop of a hat. And, you know, I look at my daughter and I, you know, the first time I saw her with orange hair, it was like, oh my God, what did you do? But now, you know, she comes in with orange hair. Cool. She comes in with blonde hair. Cool. She comes in with purple hair. Cool. You know, it's just, you know, she is who she is. And uh, those, those types of things, while we can want them sometimes from, from a, a, a guy's perspective, those things can change um, at the drop of a hat. But there might be some physical characteristics that you do look for. You might love blue eyes, but don't discount green eyes or hazel or brown because the package, the rest of the package may be there. You know, I had, I had a friend of mine that, that she and I were talking about who she wanted to date. And she was very particular. She wouldn't date anybody that didn't have a PhD. You know, that, that starts narrowing down the field quite a bit. <laughs> but she moved to Dallas and she found him. So, you know, it was, you know, and, and so I will never discount whatever, whatever somebody wants. And, and we have to distinguish be, between the, the must-haves, which, are, are, which I consider are non-negotiable characteristics, the things that you will not go into another relationship unless they have these things. And then there are the would-be-nice-to-haves. And the common example I use is it would be nice to find someone that makes a million dollars a year that's for most people. That's not that's 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 a would be nice to have. It's not a not a, a concrete a requirement. Yeah. 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 Now, now there are going to be a certain certain caliber of people that are going to say, yeah, if you don't make a million dollars a year, you're out. Because you know, if if they're making a significant amount of money, they may want somebody in their relationship that that is equally able to produce, so that there's not a not a financial dependency on each other. I know you've done a couple of videos and they, they can probably see them through your website or maybe through your Facebook page about I mean, you can, things that people look for when dating. 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I just did a uh, just did a two part series last week and this week on what men are looking for and what women are looking for. Um, it just it just broke this morning. Uh, the the ten things women look for in a man um, just came out this morning, and then last week was the eight things men look for in a woman. And so those are both on my website. They're on my YouTube channel and on my on my website. Not only do you get the you can you can watch the video, but you can read the blog. I provide the blog on my website, whether whatever you prefer, or you can just click off the video and listen to the sound. They're about seven or eight minutes, nine minutes long. Ten minutes is is generally my longest blog or my longest video. So they're they're quick quick reads or quick 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 views. Sorry, my lights went off. <laughs> <laughs> Do we you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going up. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like there's something going on in the background. Do we need to get the power checked? Or <laughs> That'll work. There you go. <laughs> Here we are. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to think I was like, okay, I'm done. Let, let, let yeah, me the interview. Yeah, it's like it's like dating when your kids the, the porch lights going on and off. So <laughs> yeah, that wasn't like a cue or something like that. <laughs> okay, Rick, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on topic here. You probably have like a top three at least things for what makes a great first date or what makes a bad first date. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is to to go into the date with no expectations. Go into the date and just looking to get to know somebody, get to uh, get to learn about them. Don't don't have any expectations that this is going to be uh, your soulmate, that that this is going to be the your last first date, or that you're going to get your last first kiss on this date. Don't set any expectations. Go in with an open mind. Second, uh, especially for women, have your first date outfit picked out. And so you know what you're going to wear. You know what makeup you're going to wear with the outfit. I know that sounds a little crazy, but, you know, and, and, and man, you can do that too. If and, and me, I'm a more casual dresser, you know, just a, a, a white dress shirt, jeans and boots, and, and I'm out the door. Uh, but ladies tend to stress over what they're going to wear. And one of the things that I've learned is if you have your first date outfit, hang it up in the closet so you know where it's at. You don't have to worry what shoes. You don't have to worry about the makeup. And that takes a lot of stress off of that first date. Probably out of safety, make sure that somebody knows, you know, if, if this is somebody, especially if you're meeting them off of the internet uh, for the first time, make sure that you know that you have family or friends that know where you're going, know who who you're going to be with, and know when to expect you home. And you might even set up a uh, an emergency phone call where somebody calls and says, "Yeah, are you okay?" And you know, just checking on you to make sure everything's okay. You know, there are some safety things, but um, beyond that, make it, don't make it a big dinner date. Don't make it a movie date. Don't just do coffee or cocktails. You know, just keep it simple. You know, if you go to, if a lot of times when you go into uh, restaurants, sometimes it can be very difficult to hear because of the noise level. And, you know, if it's not going well, if you're sitting through dinner, it can be the dinner from hell. <laughs> so, you know, if you do coffee and cocktails, if it's going great, you can order a couple of cocktails and talk and talk and talk and then go out for dinner. Or if it's not going well, you know, 30 minutes, oh, look at the time. I've got to go. 
you know, you can be out the door. You can give yourself an out or you can give yourself the option of making it making it a lovely evening. So those would probably be the top three or four things that, to make a, a date good. And I know that there's a free booklet that people can download at your website. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll give you the links to that. Um, it's, I, I've got a, a PDF that I hand out. It's about six or seven pages long. It's called The Five Biggest Dating and Relationship Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Just a great thumbnail sketch of, you know, toxic relationships, making sure that you have your must-have list. Um, you know, just just important things that, that most people ignore, most people uh, don't pay attention to. And so, you know, that'll give you, give you a leg up on your next date. Why don't you give everybody uh, your website so they know how to... Okay. Um, my, my website is ricksodabeer.com. And... <laughs> And I hope you're going to put the link down because it's it's not spelled like it sounds. <laughs> you know, if, you, if, if you if you think of soda and beer, that's how you pronounce it. That's not how you spell it. It's S O S like Sam O E T E B like boy I E R and dot com. And you can you can look at my book. I have a book the, the book dating backward. Just go to the resource tab. And you can read part of it there. And if you'd like to order it, just click the button and I'll pay the shipping. So shipping is free. <laughs> there you go. Plenty of stuff for the rebels to check out. That's so his right. Name is Rick Sodebeer. He is a dating expert. And we'd like to thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. It was wonderful. And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. So if you're checking out dating podcasts, I've got a few for you to check out anyway. Of course, we have to mention our previous guests, Joanne Wilson with Is This Love and Keely Ryder and Dating Talk with Keely. Love those women. They're fantastic. And also we have Dateable Podcast, Deeper Dating, Dating Advice Guru Podcasts, Paging Dr. Nerd Love. The Dating Advice Girl podcast, The Dating Den, The How to Talk to Girls podcast, Sip and Spill, and Date Night China. I guess, yeah, I might not make that date on time if it was in China. I will pick you up in 18 hours. Might be running a little late. Thank you so much to Rick Sotabeer for coming by the Sherpa Chalet this week. And we will have the link to his website on the Sherpa sheet. You know, the show notes. Yeah, that thing. I hope you had a lot of fun listening. And we will have author Steve Stolier next week. And Steve has written two really interesting books that have to do with classic Hollywood. He actually lived in Groucho Marx's house for the last couple of years of Groucho's life and he did write a book and he's actually written another book about writer Howie Storm called The Imperfect Storm. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If you watch TV during the 70s and the 80s, Howie probably worked with these people. Any TV show, that kind of career. And Steve wrote a book about it. So be sure to check out that show. And if you want to follow me on social media, it's Sherpolution. That's your keyword for Facebook 
Instagram, or Twitter. And you can listen to the show on your favorite podcast app, even in iHeartRadio or Pandora or Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all of those, and so much more. Or you can even listen on my website, SherpaLution.com, and you can check the website out for the link to the Sherpa Shop. And I hope that you will be shopping at the Sherpa Shop and shopping for good. And these ships are sailing, and I don't know, I'm giving myself a tongue twister. Anyway, Mr. Bruce, we know that you never have a problem getting a date for a Saturday night. I was wondering if you could show everyone the door, and please don't get too many phone numbers. You're going to make me look bad. Viva la Sherpolution, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapalition. Viva la Chapalition. <coughs> oh. Yeah, I'll come back now, you hear? <laughs>